whilst these products mightn't be the sexiest product category in the world, you know, there's, there's nothing inherently cool about Dunny Cleaner, but these are things that every single household uses every single day. And at the moment, the entire category is just rampant for single-use plastic. So our whole thing was, let's go after a really big category of products that everybody uses that's contributing a lot to this, to this plastic problem, and let's solve those problems there. Welcome to the Sustainable Jungle podcast. Happy New Year to you and yours. From us here at Sustainable Jungle, we wish you all the best for 2020, and may this be the year for big change. I'm Joy and today I'm talking to Mike Smith, the founder of ZeroCo, an Australian-based zero-waste company who has created a revolutionary closed system to deliver household cleaning and personal care products free of any single-use plastic. In this episode, we cover Mike's journey starting ZeroCo, their mission, how they're doing it, and Mike's advice for other aspiring entrepreneurs. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode, including all the relevant links over at sustainablejungle.com forward slash podcast. Now, let's go zero co. Hello, Mike. There is just so much I want to talk to you about, but perhaps it's only proper to start with you. Who are you? Where were you born? Where did you grow up? <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. My name is Mike Smith. I was born in a little country town called Gilgandra, west of Dubbo in New South Wales. I actually spent most of my childhood on the north coast of New South Wales, a little town called Sawtell just south of Coffs Harbour. Looking at your career, you very quickly became an entrepreneur. How did you land on entrepreneurship as your thing? So that's a really interesting question, actually. I think it, I think it kind of happened almost accidentally. You know, I, I studied a commerce degree at university and then I went and got a job working for an advertising agency because I thought that might be, that might be fun. Um, <laughs> and it was fun, but I, I quickly found out that that wasn't kind of what I wanted to do with my life. I, I didn't really get a lot of fulfillment from the idea of trying to sell, you know, sugary, fizzy water to kids as a, as a fulfilling <laughs> career choice. And so I quickly decided I wasn't going to be an advertising guy with my life. And I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, I kind of had a few ideas for a few little businesses. And I just thought, well, I'm young. There's no harm in trying. I'm just going to quit my job and and try and launch a project of my own. And it, it just kind of all happened from there, really. And I, and I guess it's like it's like anything in life, you know. The more you do something, the, the more you learn about something, the better you get at something. So it's very much been a an iterative process for me over the years. You know, I've had, this will be my fourth business now. So yeah, it's been a, a, a learning journey for me over the last kind of 15 years. Yeah, and I, I see that you're clearly willing to take risks. Uh, you make a lot of jokes in your in the Kickstarter campaign about living with the in-laws, <laughs> which I think is uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, clearly what it takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like that's that's the uh, that's the startup game, you know. You've got to be willing to um, you know to put it all on the line, I guess, and, and sacrifice and uh, and live a humble lifestyle when you're starting a new business. So yeah, I've done that enough now to kind of know what that what that's all about I guess it wasn't a rude shock to me you know yeah to have to uh have to move back in with my parents <laughs> to get this idea off the ground I've, I've had similar moments with each of my my projects you know my, my last business it was you know I put my life savings into that at that point as well and it took us three years to get that to a point where we were you know generating profit and able to pay ourselves a salary so there was lots of days and weeks and months and years of eating two-minute magic noodles for dinner and, you know, being very skimpy with 
spending and you know sacrificing the creature comforts of modern life to, to build an idea. So um, I'm quite accustomed to what it takes to get an idea off the ground. But I think each time it's gotten a little bit easier and, uh, you know, my financial situation has improved with each business that I've done. So it's, it's not as dire as it once was when I first started out in the kind of startup space. Good to hear. No longer magging noodles, hopefully. <laughs> no longer magging noodles, no. I get to eat really nice, healthy food now on this project, which is good. And you live in Byron now, right? Is that I live a, in Byron. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And that's a great hub yeah. for great food, isn't it? It's a good hub for a lot of things. So, um, you know, the the journey to get this off the ground and, and living with mum and dad was only a, a six-month journey, which is quite nice to kind of have a compressed timeline to, to do that. You know, and obviously getting the, you know, we launched the Kickstarter campaign a few months ago and, and that having been successful and then being able to raise some money from some private investors meant, you know, I don't have to live on the breadline and not be able to pay rent and pay myself a wage and all that stuff. So it's been quite nice to get to that point um, rather quickly on this project. Oh, how did you come to realize that you want to do something about the plastic waste problem specifically? And, you know, maybe not to lead you too much, but I really like the Rage Against Machine quote, so maybe you can uh, you can repeat that for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, well, let's start with the Rage Against Machine quote, hey? Um, so the, <laughs> it has to start somewhere. It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now? So I, I grew up in the kind of thrash, punk rock, metal kind of music scene as a kid. Bands like Rage Against the Machine have been a big influence on my life. And it wasn't some kind of confected thing where we came up with this quote from a band, you know, to, to try and make us look cool or edgy or whatever. It's just they're one of my favorite bands of all time. They've been big intellectual kind of stimulants to me in my formative years. And uh, just a quote for me that's resonated with me for a long part of my life. And I just feel like it's classic um, quote for a lot of the world's problems that we face, you know, where we just need to, at some point, stop talking about the problems and actually go out and start solving those problems. And so that's been a really key driving factor for us with this business is, you know, we're all together in the world here and we're all kind of muddling through this, this problem that, you know, has become very everyone has become very aware of in the last probably decade, but more so even in the last few years, this, this single-use plastic problem. And there has been lots of people talking about this. There's governments talking about it. There's you know supermarkets are talking about it. There's big brands talking about it. But there just doesn't seem to be a huge amount of action happening on this problem. And so that's what we said. We're just going to go out and we're going to, we're going to build a solution and we're going to put it into the world and we're going to invite people to come on this journey with us as we solve this problem together. And, and just just make it real and make it tangible and, and act on this thing right now. And, and look, the solution that we've got is not perfect. We're, we're the first to admit that, you know, this is a startup. It's a new idea. There's going to be things that we're going we're gonna to mess up, you know. With any, with any project, there's always hurdles. You've got to jump in two steps forward, one step back. But we just feel like we don't need perfect solutions. We just need a whole bunch of imperfect solutions and a whole bunch of people embracing them and running forward and, and trying to trying to work out these solutions in real time. So that's that's really what we're all about. And that's kind of I think that what that quote from Raging Into the Machine really succinctly articulates is we just gotta do it now. Someone's got to do it and we're gonna do it and we all need to do it together today. Let's actually talk about Zero Code then. I've I've obviously spent a lot of time reading about it and I obviously watched the videos on the Kickstarter campaign and I a few weeks ago I bought the uh, starter box light which I'm very excited to receive. 
Um, but, so that. <laughs> no worries. But for those out there listening who haven't been familiar with ZeroCo and the very impressive Kickstarter campaign, maybe you can give an overview of what it is exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we look. ZeroCo is a is a new Aussie startup, and and we are setting out on a very ambitious journey with a mission to eliminate single-use plastic packaging from every single Aussie kitchen, laundry, and bathroom. So what we've done is we've developed a range of planet-friendly home cleaning and personal care items, the things that everyday Aussies use all the time in their, in their house, so things like laundry liquid and dishwashing detergent and body wash. And all of those products at the moment that you're buying from the supermarket, they come in, in single-use plastic packaging, right? You, you buy a bottle of hand wash, you take it home, you put it on your sink in your bathroom and you use it for a couple of weeks or a month and then you throw that bottle in the bin. And so we just think that that's a, that's a crazy concept for us to all be doing on scale in the year 2019. So we developed a new way to deliver these products. And so essentially how it works is we ship a box of products direct to Aussie households and inside your first order, you will get a set of beautifully designed dispensers that are made from plastic waste that we've pulled out of the ocean. They are yours to keep and, and use in your house forever. Also in your first box is a set of refill sachets that are made from plastic waste diverted from landfill and a postage paid return envelope. So all you have to do as a customer is empty the contents of the refill sachet into the dispenser and then pop the empty sachet into the postage paid return envelope and send it back to it. And we then clean and refill the sachets and have them ready to send out over and over and over. So it's a completely closed loop supply chain that replaces single use plastic packaging with reusable packaging that's designed and engineered to last a lifetime. What I love about this is that it's very approachable for at scale, as you say. It's not just for the eco-minded. I sort of think it's analogous to the the Frank Green cups, you know, like in the beginning, yep. people didn't want to be re using reusable cups. It was like kind of seen as a bit meh. But um, but now people, even like people that I would never expect to be eco-minded at all, are like really keen on their franking cups because they look so cool and they're just really nice and fun to use. So I think it's going to be similar with, with Zero Go. Yeah, definitely. So our look, our whole mission here is, is to remove as much single-use plastic from the planet as we can. And we're starting here in Australia. And, and we know that to do that, we needed to create something that had as broad mainstream appeal as possible, because the only way we're going to solve this plastic problem is if we have mass adoption of an idea like Zero Co. So that meant we had to develop products that work as well, if not better, than the products that people are currently purchasing from the supermarkets that come in beautifully designed um, dispensers and packaging, and that don't cost more than the big name supermarket brands. So they were the three kind of key criteria for us to make sure that we could deliver something that was cost competitive and convenient and looked amazing. And we thought if we do that, we've got a good shot at inspiring a large percentage of Aussie households to come and join us in this mission to eliminate single-use plastic. Yeah, especially if you take the cost out of it. I mean, that just then becomes a no-brainer. And I love the way that you break it down on the website. You've got all the components there and there's and there's and they're separate or respective costs. And um, and it shows sort of like what your margin is and shows that, you know, all of these, you know, potentially not earth friendly products are 
are way more expensive and um, also not doing great for the environment. So it just feels like such a no-brainer there. Yeah, look, we, we wanted to, to make sure that we were as radically transparent as possible with our audience and just with the public in general because I just think there's a lot of cynicism around environmental pollution these days. You know, there's greenwash there. There's a lot of people, a lot of brands making claims that aren't necessarily backed up by any evidence or any facts. And, and I understand why people are a little bit cynical um, around some of these claims because they aren't substantiated. And so a key thing for us with this whole business is this concept of radical transparency. And look, we haven't got anything to hide. We, we are doing everything in the most um, honest and straightforward and, and transparent way possible. So, so it's just a logical extension to say, you know, if you have any questions about our business, we are more than happy to answer them. And that, that extends right down to how much it costs us to produce, you know, the, the laundry liquid that goes in the bottle, how much it costs us to make the bottle, how much it costs us to ship it to you, how much it costs to warehouse. So, so the customers can see here is exactly what it costs to make this product and here's exactly what our margin is. Um, and then once we're up and running, we'll, we'll be transparent about where that where that margin goes and how much we're paying ourselves and how much money we're donating to the various environmental causes that we're going to be backing. Um, we're going to be transparent about the full ingredient list of all of our products. We're going to take people on a video tour of our of our factory to show people here's how the product's made. Uh, in a few weeks' time, we're heading to Indonesia to do our first ocean cleanup. Um, we're going to be filming that whole thing. We're going to show people this is what an ocean cleanup in Indonesia looks like. People, you know, supported our idea and believed in our vision. And, and straight away, we're going to go out and show people exactly what that looks like and who the people are doing the cleanup activities, where they live, what the what the processing facility looks like. So for us, it's just about being completely radically transparent about every single thing that we do in this in this business. So is the plan to use that plastic that you find during the cleanup in the packaging? It, it, it won't be from this trip. So this trip really is, is for us to go to Indonesia to meet the local fishermen who are responsible for going out and doing these, these ocean cleanups and meet the local villagers who are scouring the beach and to go and see the, the processing facility and just show all of our customers, the, you know, the 7,000 people who back our idea on Kickstarter. We want to show them exactly what is involved in that because it is real people going out and doing real-world cleanup activities. So we want to show everyone what that actually looks like. That plastic won't specifically go into our packaging. It'll go into the, the kind of master supply chain of, uh, of the ocean waste plastic system. But what, what will happen is on each of our dispensers, there'll be a tracking code, and you'll be able to put that tracking code into our website, and it'll show you where that plastic was actually collected from. So we'll have you know, batches of product that will come from a certain part of Indonesia and we will be able to show when that was collected, who was involved with it, how much plastic was collected and then show how it's been transformed into our packaging. You know, a lot of people say with with the zero waste movement that you you shouldn't be using plastic at all, but there is actually a need to use recycled plastic. So this is quite nice in that you also get to use some of that recycled plastic in the dispensers. And are you using recycled plastic for the for the sachets as well, or the what do you call them, the the little thingy mabobs? Yeah, the refill sachets. The refill sachets. Yeah. 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 So so the, the first part of that that, that question is, um, I totally understand why people say we shouldn't be using plastic at all, and, and I and I totally agree on on one level. But when we started thinking about this business, we really wanted to take the most holistic approach possible to solving the plastic problem. 
And, and at the moment, there's lots of people doing lots of different things in and around the plastic problem, but we, we haven't yet found someone who is doing it in, in as holistic a way as we are. So really what we have to do to solve this problem, at least what, how we believe this problem will be solved, is we need to attack the plastic problem at both ends of the supply chain, right? So we need to, first of all, stop the production of new plastic, because as long as we keep producing new plastic to make new packaging, we are, we're going to continue to pollute the world with plastic. And then, and then the second part of that solution is we need to go and remove all of the plastic that already exists in the world and that has found its way into the natural environment, into river systems and estuaries and beaches and the ocean. And we need to get that plastic out of the system. So our, our model here is, is to create an economic model that enables you to do both of those things. So by us going and, and taking plastic out of the ocean and turning that into a product that we can then sell to a customer, it creates an economic system that enables us to go and do more of that work. So essentially, it's, it's the, the, the process of, of making our dispensers from ocean waste plastic creates an economy that enables us to go and do more of that and collect more and more plastic out of the system. And then by creating a reusable um, sachet, which is made from recycled material, um, what that's doing is it's stopping the production of new plastic. So when somebody buys their, their first box of zero-co products, the, their first refill sachet will be made from recycled plastic that's been diverted from landfill, and then they send that back to us and we refill it. So, so there should never be any new plastic being produced in the zero-co closed-loop system. So while people have said to us, you know, you're still making your dispensers out of plastic, we're doing that for a very specific reason, because we could have gone and made our dispensers out of glass or out of aluminium or some other material, but that if we did that, we wouldn't be solving the problem of taking plastic out of the ocean. So we've been... There's a very specific reason why we are making these out of plastic because we want to be able to fund plastic cleanup um, activities and, and getting this junk out of the ocean. Yeah, because otherwise, where else is it going to go? Is it just going to hang out exactly. in the landfill? <laughs> we, yeah, we should be using yeah. it. Yeah, we should be using it for things that are not going to be disposed of later, like park benches and very nice dispensers. <laughs> Correct. And and look, our dispensers at the end of their life are 100% recyclable. So they're made from from HDPE, which is which is completely recyclable. So we're taking the plastic out of the ocean. We're using it for a lifetime, and then when when the the dispensers reach the end of their life, they will be recycled and put back into the system, not into the into the planet, into the ocean. It's put back into the plastic cycle. Yeah, so cool. So now I'm just looking at the website, and I just want to chat about the product range. There are nine products so far. We've got laundry liquid, body wash, hand wash, stain remover, everything cleaner, bathroom cleaner, dishwashing liquid, toilet cleaner, air freshener. So keen to understand. And, oh, and, ooh, a new um, one. And dishwashing tablets, but they're not sitting on the website yet because we haven't finalized our packaging, but that will be coming to the website in the next few days. Oh, how exciting. Excellent. Yes. So I guess that kind of answers my question, which is, well, but there's two questions. Why did you choose this as the starting range? And then secondly, are there plans for expansion? Because I would really like to buy conditioner from you at some stage. <laughs> yes. So look, we, we, chose, we chose these 10 products because they are everyday household essentials, right? So every, every single household in Australia, I hope, uses all of those products. I hope that everyone is washing their clothes. I hope that everybody <laughs> is washing their dishes. 
I hope that everybody's washing their, cleaning their toilet every now and again. So whilst these products might be the sexiest product category in the world, you know, there's, there's nothing inherently cool about Dunny Cleaner. <laughs> um, but these are things that every single household uses every single day. And at the moment, the entire category is just rampant for single-use plastic um, usage. So our whole thing was let's go after a really big category of products that everybody uses uh, and that's, that's contributing a lot to this, to this plastic problem and let's solve those problems there. And then your second part of that question, we are 100% going to be extending this range. We've already started the process of scoping out what those next products may be. We've started researching them. We've started briefing our formulation team on what those products should look like. And in the next few months, we're going to be doing, you know, a survey and some communication to our existing Kickstarter backers. So the 7,000 households who supported this idea from day one, and we're going to ask them what they want. And, and look, already we know lots of people have asked us for shampoo and conditioner, so they are 100% going to be produced. Yes. Um, there's been a whole other range of products, you know, like moisturizer and, you know, hand and body lotion and sunscreen and a whole bunch of other things, kids products, bubble bath. Uh, there's lots of other things that we are going to be exploring and we are aiming to launch a whole other range of products probably around the middle of next year. So our goal is, is by the end of next year to have at least 20 or 30 products available via zero code. So the mission is that every single product that you would go into a supermarket to purchase now that would live in your bathroom, in your laundry, or under your kitchen sink. We want to have all of those products available via Zero Co. delivered direct to Aussie households minus all the single-use plastic. Gosh, the Aussie dream. I can't wait. That'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait either. I want to have all these products in my house too. Very cool. You know, I, I, I'm sick of using shampoo and chucking away a bottle. Yeah, it really irritates me. I mean, I've been I've been using the bars, you know, because yep. we, we pretty much yeah, live so zero we're... waste, so I've been using the bars. Uh, but the conditioner yep. in particular just just doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, my, my wife has been using the, the bars for a while now and she is of the same opinion. They're just not quite there yet. Yeah. But it's great that they exist and, and I hope those companies continue to innovate and push their formulations and, and get better at that because it's, you know, it's going to take a lot of different solutions to solve this problem. It's not just going to be zero code is the only way to do it. There's going to be lots of other ways to do it and lots of other companies hopefully coming in and inventing new ways and keeping us on our toes and challenging us and preventing, you know, um, presenting new solutions to customers. Totally. That's how we're going to get the best results for sure. Uh, so I want to chat about the ingredients specifically because this for me is particularly exciting. So yeah. I guess, you know, anyone who starts to dig under the surface of any product that they consume finds a myriad of problems with it. It's got plastic in it. It's got palm oil in it. It's got this, it's got chemicals. It's got, it's mm. not, it's not vegan or it's tested on animals. It's, it's, you know, on our website, we try to go through products that we recommend and list out all of those eco credentials, but it's really hard to find things that sort of tick all the box. So when I first saw the campaign, I was like, great, we're going to have zero waste products, but sort of started reading through and thought, oh, it's going to be chemical laden. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. <laughs> But I was so happy to see that it's not even, it, I mean, it doesn't even have palm oil in it, which was my personal, mm. my absolute personal pet peeve. So I was, I was excited. And so I was wondering if you could talk through the eco-credentials of the ingredients specifically. Yeah, sure. So, so look, on the, the palm oil thing, 
first and foremost, it's um, it's a really big issue in the in the world right now. My wife and I did a, did a big trip around the world last year. We spent twelve months kind of trekking and and hiking our way through some of the most obscure parts of the planet. And on the way back from that trip, we stopped in to Borneo and and spent some time, you know, doing a, a couple of treks up in the jungles with the orangutans. And we were just blown away by the deforestation that has happened in Borneo. And you know, I've been to North Sumatra and seen it there as well. It's uh, it's really heartbreaking the level of deforestation that is is taking place continually to plant palm oil plantations. So for us coming back and having seen that firsthand, had a very visceral experience of deforestation caused by palm oil. We just said to ourselves, that's that's the first thing that we're gonna we're gonna say to our formulations team. We cannot have palm oil in these products, and that's a non-negotiable point as we're getting through this formulation process because we just we just think it's the right thing to do. It, it does make things more complicated and more expensive from a production perspective, finding alternative sources for some of those surfactants in in the product. But for us, that's a that's a really key key thing that we want to make sure we get right from the start. And then and then when it comes to the rest of the formulations, it was really about just balancing the need to produce a product that that delivers on the promise of being as good, if not better, than what you're currently using without causing, you know, huge amounts of environmental damage. So it's been a, it's been an interesting process for us. You know, we're not chemists, we're not product specialists. We've, we've brought in a team of chemists and, and formulators, and it's been a really interesting experience for us just to dig down into some of the claims that, that brands make on their packaging and and getting an understanding of what all those things really mean. So. So, for example, um, you know, it's become very popular now to say on your product, on your packaging, that your product is not tested on animals, which is actually a little bit of a of a smokescreen here because nothing's really tested on animals anymore. And and what we've actually learned through this process of working with these chemists is that all of the things that go into products these days were actually tested on animals at some point in the past. In the in the 1950s and the 1960s and the 1970s, when when scientists were developing all of these materials, they went out and tested them on animals, and that's how we know that they're safe to use. And, oh and gosh! So yeah, so it's kind of a bit disingenuous to say that this product is not tested on animals because nothing's tested on animals in, in the developed world anymore. So it's been a really interesting process to learn all those things. So obviously. Our products won't be tested on animals. Yes, <laughs> um, good. But we won't have, you know, we won't have animal products or animal derivatives in our in our products either. So yeah, so it's been a really interesting process of just getting getting really clear on what actually do a lot of these environmental claims that, that other people make. What do they actually mean, and do they mean anything? So yeah, so look, our whole mission here is to, to make the best possible product that we can that work as well as they possibly can, whilst doing the least possible environmental harm. And yeah. You know, the reality is that every single product that gets made in the world has some kind of environmental impact, right? If you want to be a purist, the most environmentally friendly way to clean your clothes is to not clean your clothes. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's to not because exist, actually, you, as a human. Just not, not exist. exist. <laughs> right, right. So every time, even if you just clean your clothes with water, you're still having an environmental impact because you're using water. Right. So it's, it's very much a spectrum of, you know, maximum environmental damage to, zero environmental damage and trying to trying to sit on the the lower end of that spectrum as we can but 
you know, no matter what we do, we will have some impact on the environment. For sure. So the the, um, the plant-based formulation, because I know like obviously these are cleaning products, you're going to have to have some chemical element to them because otherwise they're just not going to clean. So the plant-based formula, is that the intention there is that it's uh, it's it's safer, right? I see it's like grey water safe and the, the plant-based formula would make it safer for consumption. It's not super toxic like other chemical products. Correct. Right. Correct, correct. So, you know, there's, there's not going to be things like bleaches in our product or, you know, any of these nasty, harsh chemicals. Again, it's a really interesting thing because everything is a chemical, right? Everything right. in the world is made up of chemicals. So when we kind of talk about chemicals, they kind of have this, this nasty connotation to them. So I guess our approach is trying to use plant-derived chemicals, plant-derived substances to replace, you know, some of the harsher cleaning detergents uh, and bleaches and those kind of things that exist out there that are, that are made in laboratories. And, and it's, it's interesting because there are lots of, there's, there's a lot of great technology around now that is, that is enabling chemists to extract things from, from nature, extract ingredients from nature that, that do, you know, the job that we once relied upon big mass produced chemical plants to do. Yeah. You know, so citrus ingredients. Um, you know, getting surfactants from from coconut oil or olive oil, you know, getting alcohol from from corn or sugar. You know, there's there's lots of those kind of um, natural based ingredients that can be can be put together in a formula and can uh, can do the job just as well as you know some of the big brands. Yeah, very interesting. I'm, what I'm also really interested in is the eco perfume. I know you've gone really deep into the fragrance industry, and I know. That's traditionally the fragrance industry's got a bit of a dark side. So very keen to know more about that. Yeah. So look, we're we're very much on a learning journey with, with this part of, of our business. Um, we've engaged some of the some of the world's leading um, and largest perfume houses to help us formulate the fragrances that we've gone with. And look, our our I guess our strategic approach to developing the fragrances for our products has been to say to our partners. There's kind of three, three key criteria that we're trying to deliver against when formulating our fragrances, and that is to make sure that the ingredients that we use in our fragrance have the lowest possible environmental impact, the lowest possible human impact, and the lowest possible impact on animals, right? And so... When you set a, a criteria or a framework like that, it really challenged us and challenged our fragrance partners to look at how fragrances are made at the moment. And so one of the really interesting things that we uncovered during this process is, is the debate around natural versus synthetic-based fragrances, right? right? And so this is going to be a very controversial topic for our business and, and for this brand as we move forward. But if you look at the environmental effect of a natural of a 100% natural um, fragrance, it takes 215,000 rose petals to make 10 mils of rose essential oil. Right. So if you think about the amount of arable land that is being used to grow rose petals, the amount of water that is being used to grow those petals, the amount of carbon that is being used to produce those rose petals, to be broken down to make essential oil, if every single product on the planet that was fragrant went to 100% natural essential oil-based fragrances, 
we would deforest the entire planet. Right. So it is essentially unsustainable to be making all fragrances from 100% natural sources. Another really interesting thing about natural or essential oil fragrances is that they have high levels of allergens. That, that the things that cause allergies to humans are found predominantly in essential oils. So there's a lot of misconception out there in the market about natural fragrances being better for you, being less allergenic to you, and being better for the planet. And it's actually factually incorrect because what happens when you when you create molecules in a laboratory is you're able to strip out the elements that, that are known to cause allergies to humans. So really, if we want to create a fragrance that has the lowest possible impact on the planet and the lowest possible impact on, on people and on, on, on animals, the answer is not 100% natural fragrance. Mm, so, so complex. <laughs> it's very complex, very complex. But essentially what we've gone and done is we've, we've built a set of fragrances that utilize both natural and synthetic ingredients to produce a range of fragrances that smell amazing, that are premium, that are boutique, and that have as low possible impact on the planet as possible, that are highly biodegradable after use, and that have low allergens and are good for the planet, for people, and for animals. Yeah, because the other thing is when I was researching this recently, I found that the a lot of the, the fragrances also come from animals, right? Like from the musk deer, yeah. for example. And, Correct. Um, and some really awful ones as well, like like anal glands and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I don't even know how yeah. we got to including that sort of thing in the product. But um, yeah, yeah, I think I would rather take synthetics than that. Thank you very much. <laughs> humans, humans do some funny things sometimes, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> I'd just love to know like how that first started. Like they just sort of squeezed the an anal glands of some animal and were like, <laughs> let's include this in our product. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> That's a great idea, yeah. <laughs> Strange. Anyway, I'm also keen to chat about manufacturing. Where are Zeroco products being made? Yeah, so look, there's, there's two parts to this. So there is the packaging and then there is the actual um, liquid product that goes inside inside the packaging. So we'll start with the packaging. So at the moment, there, there doesn't exist any facilities here in Australia that are equipped and have experience um, dealing with ocean waste plastic. So to begin with, our, our first batch of dispensers will be produced in China, which is where the bulk of these um, processing facilities are and the manufacturers who have the expertise in then turning um, plastic that's been pulled from the ocean back into a product. So to begin with, our first lot of dispensers will be manufactured in China. We've actually just in the last few weeks started having a conversation with a plastics producer here in Australia who have been investigating using ocean waste plastic and cool. are not quite ready to do that yet. But we're going to be working with those guys. And as soon as we can get their capabilities up to scratch, we will start producing these bottles here in Australia. So it's going to be a bit of an iterative process to get to that point, but that's definitely our intention is to try and bring all of the manufacturing for our entire supply chain here to Australia. And then in terms of the products that go into the bottles, they are 100% manufactured here in Australia. And was that a conscious decision? Is it you, you want to keep jobs here in Australia? Is that the idea? Yeah, definitely. And uh, that, that's, that's definitely part of it. And also there's the, there's the carbon footprint, right? Of course, So yeah. we, 
we could have gone and produced our laundry liquid and our dishwashing liquid and our body wash in China. It would have been cheaper for us to do it there. But first of all, you have the quality control issue. Um, and then secondly, you end up shipping a whole bunch of water with, with other things in it from China to Australia, which just doesn't make a lot of sense for the planet. And particularly doesn't make sense for a company that's trying to solve problems in the world, not contribute to them. Got it. Makes complete sense. Hey, going <laughs> going back to the uh, the Kickstarter campaign, it sounds like that must have been a very exciting process. And you talked about uh, about how if fourteen thousand Aussie families would support the Kickstarter campaign, you could save one million single use plastic bottles. So you mentioned that you got to seven thousand Aussie families supporting the campaign. So that means you're roughly yep. halfway there. Yes. So that number is a, is a projection based on, so we've been doing a whole bunch of research with a whole bunch of different Aussie households and sending them sample products and testing other brands' products to really get an understanding of, of how much laundry liquid the average household uses, how much dishwashing liquid they use, how much toilet cleaner they use. And from that primary research, we've worked out that the average family of four uses approximately 73 single-use plastic bottles worth of the 10 products that we are manufacturing. So across a year, 14,000 Aussie households would be churning through a million single-use plastic bottles of these 10 products. Crazy. So, so that's the goal is, is to get within 12 months of launching this business, we want to try and remove 1 million bottles from the planet. And to do that, we need 14,000 Aussies to sign up. And as you said, we've got 7,000 signed up already before we've even really launched the business, which is just incredible. Gosh, that, I imagine it will be exceptionally satisfying to track that impact over time. I, pl I presume you plan to do that. We do. So on our once we, once we get our full e-commerce website live, there will be a ticker on the homepage and we will be sharing that ticker across our social channels and with our, with our community. But literally every single time that somebody purchases a starter box or purchases a refill, that ticker will go up in real time. So we will be counting in real time how many single-use plastic bottles we are removing from the planet. Also, like building on that point, we, we, we touched on this already, but ZeroCo has already had an incredible amount of support with the Kickstarter campaign, like actually well above target, right? And mm -hmm. I was reading the comments on the Kickstarter campaign page and it just seems that people are crying out for the innovation. Everyone is like, yes, yes, this is great. Can you, can you talk me through like how are you feeling about it at this point are you feeling like satisfaction pride overwhelm excitement all of all, all of the above <laughs> i am feeling all of those things all at once um it, it has been a, a really heartening experience for me to, to put this idea into the world and to see the level of support that we were able to get as quickly as we got it you know as i said before this will be my fourth business so i've i've had a number of different experiences in the business world. And I, I understand how hard it is to build a business and an idea that resonates with people and that people genuinely care about. You know, we, we're all busy people. We've all got busy lives. We're being pulled in a million different directions and, and asked to care about so many things in the world. And it's so hard for, for a, a new business to, to build a, a relationship with people. Um, and so to see that happen so quickly with this project was just, it was a really heartening experience, you know, and every day I would wake up during the Kickstarter campaign and my inbox and my LinkedIn and my social media channels were just full of uh, messages, 
from complete strangers reaching out to say how much they love this project, how supportive they are, um, and just, you know, just letting me know that they've, they've got my back and that they want to see this succeed. And it was just really lovely to, to have that kind of outpouring of support from complete strangers. So that was really wonderful. Yeah, and I imagine like contrasting to businesses that you've that you've had, um, and also like sort of as a serial entrepreneur who's fa- also founded a not for profit. I read. I'm sure you've also yeah. thought. I'm sure this has sort of been an interesting experience for you in terms of thinking about capitalism and its role in society. Maybe this is going a bit deep, but but yeah. maybe you can share some thoughts on this. And where I'm going with it is is you know despite capitalism improving the standard of living for so many people around the world it still has its shortcomings but now Mm. we're starting to see sort of this emergence of b corps and mission-based startups like zero co so so given that experience that you've had before zero co and now that you've had zero co as well as a not-for-profit maybe you could talk about your thoughts on the role of this type of business um in this era that we face where we need to solve a whole lot of extreme environmental and social problems yeah definitely that's a really good question and and look i've spent a lot of time thinking about this not just with this project but it's been a journey for me over over the past few years so my wife and i have you know founded a a not-for-profit organization probably six or seven years ago now with the aim of of building schools in in impoverished communities so we've today we've built uh two schools in in myanmar um, and that was a big reason for me deciding to sell my last business um, because I was being pulled in two different directions where I had a, you know, a relatively successful business that was making money um, but wasn't necessarily doing anything that good for the world. It wasn't doing anything bad. So it was, it was a wine business called Cake Wine. But I was being pulled in another direction in my life, which was to try and spend you know, the finite amount of time that I have on this planet having some kind of impact. Um, and using whatever skills I may have acquired during my professional career to, to do something good for the planet. So, so that was a that was a big reason why I sold my last business. And I knew uh, when I went travelling after selling that business that I was going to spend a good chunk of that twelve months that I had off really digging into um, what I wanted to do with the next chapter of my life and and what kind of business I wanted to build next. And so for me, this, this model that that that, uh, that ZeroCo is operating under is not a new model, right? It's, it's, there's lots of businesses who have gone and, and built a for-purpose or a um, you know mission-driven uh, business. And and for me, it's it's the holy grail of of the future of, of business for me. So you know, lots of people like to attack capitalism and say that capitalism is evil and it's and it's causing destruction and it's it's the root cause of the problems in the world. Look, my my opinion is I don't agree with that. I, I think when people blame the system, they oversimplify things. So so for me, it's it's not the system that's the problem. It's the people that are operating within the system. In terms of capitalism as an economic model, it is the most efficient way of allocating resources that has ever been invented by humanity. It's just that the people who are operating within that system are not operating from an altruistic perspective, right? And they're willing to make sacrifices to the environment or to um, employees to to cut corners to maximise their profit. So, so for me, this this whole new this whole new model of business that you know that there's lots of businesses springing up now is about utilising the, the model, the economic model of capitalism, to achieve um, means 
beyond just making a profit. And that's really exciting to me. And that's that's kind of what we're setting out to do here with ZeroCo. And and we are we are very upfront and honest about the fact that we are a for profit business. You know, we are not a charity. Um, we what we are trying to do here is we are trying to prove to the world and in particular to some of the big players in this space like Unilever and Procter and Gamble and Johnson and Johnson. We're trying to prove to those people that you can build a business model that has at its core a mission to solve a problem in the world and that you can take that idea, that business model, and you can scale it and you can become profitable operating that business model. Because if we can prove to the biggest companies in the world that doing the right thing is profitable, then they will start to do that. And so that's, that's our big ambition here is to challenge the big guys to show them that there is a better way to do business and that you can become profitable by doing the right thing. So that, that's a big ambitious goal for us here is, is to, to use capitalism to do good. Yeah, I love it. I, I definitely sit on the same side of the fence there. I feel like it's really, really important uh, that we all sort of start to support these types of businesses as well going forward so that we can, we can show the world that there is a different way to do this. So are there any tips, tricks, hacks, ideas that you could potentially share for aspiring entrepreneurs out there who are thinking about starting their own mission-driven business like, like ZeroCo? The, the, look, I, I find it very unusual for people to be asking me for advice. This is a very new thing. <laughs> but people are asking me what I think about things and, <laughs> and what, what advice I give to people. So the first thing I would say is, I don't particularly think that I'm a very qualified person to be giving anybody advice about anything in life. Um, I'm just a normal guy muddling through mistakes and trying to figure out a path forward. But but one thing I, I would say that, that I have definitely learned throughout the last 15 years of the startup journey is if you've got an idea and you believe in the idea and you believe in your in your ability to pull it off, then you just need to put it out into the world and you need to you just need to block out all of the noise you need to stop listening to the naysayers and the detractors and the critics and the haters and you just need to you just need to power forward with your idea and if you put your idea out into the world and and you're honest with with the world about it and you're transparent my learning is that people will come to your aid and they will support you so so my message i guess to other aspiring young entrepreneurs get off your butt and stop talking about the thing that you're going to do because the world's full of people who talk a big game, but, but talk is cheap and action is what really matters. So that's, that's my advice is get off your butt and put something into the world and take a risk and be brave enough to fail because, you know, the world doesn't need any more people not trying. The world doesn't need any more people sitting on the sidelines. The world needs more people you know, failing whilst trying to strive for something amazing and, and failing while be while being daring and failing while striving for greatness. And and if there's more people doing that, then we will solve the problems of the world. Need more people raging against the machine. We need more people raging against the machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now just one last question on that sort of side of things, which is is on your journey to creating this amazing zero co business, which is there anyone or in, any in businesses or individuals that have stand, stood out to you as a role model or as something as particularly inspiring? Yeah, definitely. So Avon Chenard, the founder of, of Patagonia, is 
is my business idol. He, he wrote a book called Let My People Go Surfing, which is basically the story of, of Patagonia and his journey over the last 70 years to build a business that is profitable and that uses its profits to do good in the world. And I've read that book probably five or six times in my life. And uh, he's been an incredible inspiration to me. And, and if you're interested in, in learning about kind of socially responsible business, that book, Let My People Go Surfing by Avon Chinat, is, is the Bible of how to build an amazing business that people really care about and that does awesome things to impact the world in a really positive way. So what's next for ZeroCo? What does the timeline look like from here? Where to? Yeah, so we've got, what is it now? We're, at, we're in November. So we've got, we've got a little bit of time before the end of the year, before Christmas. We've got a lot of things that we need to get sorted between now and then. Obviously, we, we're going to Indonesia. We're going to do our first ocean cleanup. We'll be putting the finishing touches on our formulations and then putting our formulas into a whole bunch of lab testing for efficacy and, and stability. And then from there, we move into ordering all of the raw materials that we need to do our, our full production run. And, and we then press go on our, on our manufacturing run uh, for our first batch of products. Very exciting. So it's head down, butt up in a big way right here at ZeroCo at the moment. And we have a lot of, we will have a lot of people listening on this particular episode from the USA. And I saw in the comments section of the Kickstarter campaign that almost all it seemed to be like all all Canadians wishing for Zerico to come to them. Do you yes. do you plan to expand to other countries at some stage? We're coming. Yeah. We're coming. That's all. I, that's all I can tell you. I can't tell you too much about dates and and time and specifics. But we are very much planning on launching in North America in the near future. Now, this episode is going to be released on the second of January, just as twenty twenty is kicking off and. We'll have all sorts of New Year's resolutions being set. Hopefully some relate to doing better for the environment. So I understand yes. that Zero Co. wants to help make this as easy as possible. How can folks get on board and zero waste their cleaning regimes? Can they just go on the website and buy now? Or is it still via the Kickstarter campaign? No, so head over to, if you're interested in getting involved, you can head to zeroco.com.au and you can pre-order a box of our amazing planet-saving plastic-busting home cleaning and personal care products. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Well, that's a wrap. So thank you very much for spending the time with me. I'm genuinely very excited to try the Zerico range. I really hope that others are inspired to as well after this conversation. And of course, look forward to following along the Zerico journey. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you, um, you having me on the show to talk about what we're working on. So thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Mike. I certainly learned a thing or two and I'm excited to see what the team at ZeroCo have in store for 2020. Again, all the best for this new year and thank you as always for listening. We will catch you next time.